need to understand the level of holiness that God is. That apart from Jesus, we really cannot approach God. And that is the constant message in Leviticus, that you cannot just go to God. You just can't go in front of God. Uh, There's that whole complicated ordination service that they had in chapter 8, where, where, um, gosh, what's his name? Aaron. I'm going to call him Levi. It's definitely not his name. Aaron and his sons are ordained so that they can go into the tabernacle and offer the sin, sin sacrifice. Um, and man, they, they totally blew it the first time they did it. So, like, chapter 10, two of, two of Aaron's sons are already dead because they have done something wrong already. So it really tells us um, about God that there is this thing that makes him holy and he will be holy and he will not allow um, for things to be profaned, to not be holy. Um, in, in this book of Leviticus, there are 152 references to God's holiness. And, and it the whole reason for the book of Leviticus, for us today, back then it was their worship book. This is how you do it. This is how you offer sacrifices. And if you don't do it this way, this is your, your curse. And if you do it this way, this is your blessing. But for us, we really, it helps us see what Jesus has come to do for us. Because, because otherwise we'd be like... Um, what are their names? Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons, who die immediately because they had unauthorized fire. Does it matter where the fire comes? Well, yes, it does. Matter of life and death. So, and, and we continue to see that in, in chapter 11 and chapter 12 and 13 about the ideas of being clean and unclean. And that there were certain actions and diseases that would disqualify the people from coming to the presence of God. They would make the worshiper unclean. And to be unclean means you cannot go to the tabernacle, you cannot worship God, you cannot offer the sacrifices. So some of these these. Uh, things of unclean would be maybe for an hour, you know, you had to move your, your dead animal out of the field, so you're unclean till sundown, that's okay. But some of these things would be just lifetime, and it, I mean, you, when you read Leviticus, you read different stories in the New Testament, like the bleeding woman, completely different. This woman who had bled for you know, 14 years and was unclean, could not go to the temple to offer sacrifice. So, so you, really, you really begin un- to understand in Leviticus what it is Christ has done for us. 
we're going to focus here in Leviticus 10. And uh, I have a couple questions for you. Look on the screen, Tilly. Yeah. All right. Who here would like to eat a horse? Because we're in, um, not 10, we're in 11. I have messed up this. In fact, even in my notes, it says chapter 10. And it is obviously we're in chapter 11 in clean and unclean food. All right. Who would like to eat a horse? Maybe not. No. It is. Who has eaten a horse? Okay. A couple people. I have. Tastes like beef. All right. Next. All right. Who has eaten dog? I have. Not too bad. Yeah. All right. Next. Who has eaten cat? This is not something I've eaten. I've learned, though, that they're an extremely fatty animal. (laughs) All right, next one. Who would like to eat a grub? Mm. Maybe if they're cooked. I can't even bring myself to do that one. Um, Next one. Are they juicy? Okay. (laughs) Who would like to eat a snake? Or who has eaten a snake? Yeah, that's. I hear they're not too bad. There was this. Um, when I was in the Philippines, there was a snake in the office building, and the uh, men from Myanmar came down and killed it and took it back up to their dorm room to cook it. They did that with almost everything they caught: turtles, snakes, rats, you name it. They killed it and cooked it. Uh, all right, who would like to eat a hamburger? Yeah. Who has eaten a hamburger? Uh, believe it or not. So all the animals that I had listed before, they're at the un, in the unclean list, right? That would make this unclean. This hamburger would also make you unclean. You are not supposed to mix dairy and meat. It's not kosher. All right, next one. Bacon. Who would like to give up bacon? <laughs> Any hands raised? All right. No, we uh, we obviously wouldn't like to give up bacon, but if we were Jewish, we would have to. That is in 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 our list of clean and unclean foods. An animal with cloven hoofs but does not chew his cud. Oh, that is my child. All right. Um. Let's see. Now, we, we still have some certain rules about clean and unclean. Who would like to eat, you know, you back the hamburger? See this hamburger. Let's say you go into the restaurant and you see your uh, a cook. They drop it on the ground, put it back onto the grill, and fry it on up. How would you like to eat that hamburger? Not off the ground, no. That is... That is not ideal. Um, we've got to wash our hands before we eat. We have to eat certain foods. We have to cook it to a certain temperature, like chicken. Otherwise, we could get food poisoning. And so we still have certain rules about what is clean and unclean. 
but they don't affect our holiness the way that these rules in in Leviticus does. Um, so why why does God have these uh, rules for His people? So some people say it's because of the hygiene. Oh, God God gave them rules to for hygienic reasons the same way we do. Well, I, there's a lot of scholars who argue that, but I don't I don't know about that one um, because. Um, They could still eat grasshoppers, and I'm not entirely sure if that is something I would like to eat. Hygienically, anyway. I know they're clean. So, um, but they also have uh, people who have this idea that it's, it's just to make them distinct or different. To be, make them separate. And that's, that's kind of... It's on the way to where we're looking at. The number one reason why God has put these laws in here is for his people to be holy. So it says in Leviticus 10, 42, oh, no, it doesn't, not 10, again, sorry. I told you all my notes have 10 in it, and it's actually 11. I've had Leviticus 11, 42-45. You are not to eat of any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourself unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. The whole, the whole idea of these food laws and the other laws in Leviticus we can say that, including uh, the regulations of mildew, the laws, the laws about um, bodily discharges, etc., are because God is making His people holy to make them able to come before Him, so that they are not consumed by fire. So He is the one who brought them out of Egypt to be their God. He is holy, and he wants to remind his people that they are holy and that he has made them holy. So you may be wondering, what does it mean to be holy? So I have a, I have a little object lesson here for you to see what holiness is. And I got a pretty smart idea the last time 
because last time on Easter, I spilled something all over someone. Poor Nolan was covered in sin. So, so this time around, we're going to put it up on the screen. How's that sound? And also there's these lovely flowers here that I was not prepared for. So, all right, this is our, here's, here's holiness for us. This is our picture. This is, this is us, the blue is us, and this is God. Is it not working? That's because it's off. How's that? There we go. So, this is this is God. This is us. As you know, when you try to mix oil and water, what happens? They stay separate. Oh, that well looks kind of good, doesn't it? Well. Nope. Come on. Stay together. Oh, wait. This will never work unless we emulsify it. But no matter what I do, I can even put the lid on and shake it. It will always separate out. In fact, I will put the lid on it. And there we go. That looks pretty good, right? But if we leave this, in fact, we're going to leave it for a little while. All right. Last thing we want is food coloring everywhere. All right. So. Oh, it's already starting to separate. God and people cannot be together because God is holy and we are not. We live in sin. So, but God has made them holy with all his laws. And um, with... As we read later, well, we had a big chunk of Leviticus this week, right? So later we read about the Day of Atonement and how God sanctifies his people. He consecrates them to himself and he makes them holy. And he does so with the, um, oh gosh. Well, look at that. It's already, God is, we can't stay together no matter what. Can you move to the next slide? Now, an interesting thing is, is that, here's this chart here. Do I have my, oh, here, we go. here I go. I can see what you see over here. All right. This is our chart of, of what is clean is on the side under life, and what is unclean is under the side under death. 
death is unclean. And that, that's what we learn in, in Leviticus. It talks about how if a gecko falls in your earthen well vessel, you must break it because it is unclean. Anything that a dead animal touches is unclean. Anything that an unclean animal touches is unclean. Everything is unclean, especially dead animals. Um, so death, death defiles. Death is unclean. It is not a friend. So, and, but God wants to be with his people And so he has these sacrifices, and the sacrifices are about death. And this idea that when you have death, God redeems even death and makes them unclean with the blood. With the blood and death, only sin can be taken away. And... And, and that's what they would do. They would go into the holy, the high priest would go into the holy of holies. He could go into the presence of God. He had this whole ritual that he had to get into the presence of God in order to offer sacrifice for the people. He had to get into the right clothes. He had to wear the right clothes. He had to offer his sacrifice first for his sin offering um, sacrifice and God created this whole system so that he could be with his people. So that his people can come into his presence. And how people can be in the right relationship with God. So, now it's completely separate again. So so sometimes when we read these sacrifices and you hear about how the blood has to be poured out and sprinkled and all this stuff, we, we think God, God's a little bloodthirsty. I mean, well, we have to kill all these animals. So, so it's a little, but... He wants to remind us how serious sin is. That, that something has to die in order for sin to be taken away. Um, and he's allowing his people in, their mit, in his midst after the sacrifice because their sin has been presently forgiven. So... Um, even Aaron himself has to conceal the presence of God with his incense when he goes into the most holy place. And even the representative of God, Aaron, had to offer his sacrifice for sin, for forgiveness. And the most, most interesting thing to me with this, the Day of Atonement is that they take the blood from the sacrifice and they drip it from the most holy place out to where the people are. So they take this blood that shows death, that shows 
chose the death that happened and drip it out into the middle of the people and they show that God's presence has moved among his people through through the sacrifice. And that it's really interesting that that the sin they are forgiven. Now the sacrifice itself is the sacrifice of forgiveness because if you read there you find out what we what a scapegoat is. If you ever wondered where that term came from, we know it comes from Leviticus, where they lay their hands on it, the goat, and they send it away. Far, far, far away, the scapegoat. Um, it says, in a lot of Bibles, it says they send it to a zeal, which means cliffs. So they just uh, send it away, and they take, the sin is taken outside and cut off. It cannot come back. Someone carries the sin away. So as, as you read Leviticus, because we just went through Easter, and you're reading Leviticus, and you're like, whoa. Especially on this day of atonement, you're like, whoa. What, is, what Jesus has done for us is the same thing. What Jesus has is he's come and fulfilled this law. He has, um, I heard a guy explain it this way. There's a pastor who explained it this way. He explained it that the law in Leviticus is like a dot to dot that your kids are filling in. And maybe they don't get all the dots. (laughs) So I teach in Sunshine, and sometimes they don't even get any dots. (laughs) They're just... They just actually point to each dot with their crayon and there's no line. And you're like, no, don't make a line. But the law is like this dot to dot. But when Jesus comes, he not only connects all the lines, he fills it in with color. He really makes what the law is. So... What, what, going back though, what does this have to do with being holy? Because we don't offer sacrifices anymore. We don't need to. Jesus came once for all to offer himself as a sacrifice and a scapegoat. And he was, so, if you're reading Leviticus, you should probably read Hebrews at the same time because it really highlights a lot of this. Jesus came once for all. He was the priest who offered the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. He was the scapegoat that carried the sin away. Just like all three of those. All at once. So, sometimes um, we're tempted to think that because of our sin and our guilt, we're not good enough. Our guilt weighs too heavy on us. We're we, we're we not good enough, and that's what a lot of the early Jews thought, too. When they first became Christians, they said, you don't have to worry about clean or unclean food anymore. And they're like, wait, how do I be holy? <laughs> like, that's a, to us, we're like, no, it's food. To them, were you worried about it falling down? <laughs> yeah, let's put it on the ground. 
I see a disaster. <laughs> so, um, where was I? Uh, okay. So when <laughs> turn my page too soon. When the early early Jewish Christians um, became Christian, they were told you don't have to clean, you don't have to eat. Uh, even Jesus himself said in Mark seven, he says. Mark 7, um, 18 through 19, and this is where the, the Pharisees are asking him, why aren't your, your disciples washing their hands? They're defiling themselves because they're not doing the cleansing ritual to, in order to eat food. Um, and, and Jesus says this. He says, Uh, We'll actually start in verse 14. Again, Jesus calls to himself and he says, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into their stomach, and then comes out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So even Jesus himself said, all foods are clean. The law that you are following, you don't need to follow it anymore. Because, well, because Jesus came. He already knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be the sacrifice that would would be once and for all. So, so why then do we still have Leviticus? Because we have Jesus. So we know why the Jews had Leviticus, to make them holy. So why do we have Leviticus still? It's because we are still supposed to be reminded of what it takes to be clean and holy. Clean and unclean is not the issue here. It is supposed to point you to the issue of your heart. And that was what the Pharisees had gotten all wrong. They were so worried about whether or not their hands were clean. They were so worried about whether or not they strained out a little tiny gnat out of their water. And Jesus said, oh, you'll strain out a gnat, but you swallow a whole camel. That idea that, that clean and unclean is not the issue it's the issue of your heart and whether or not you're ready to go into the presence of God. So, um, we're, we're the same way, a little bit. We can do the Christian thing. We come here, we can pray, we can... Uh, what else can we do as Christian? Um, we read our Bibles, we can pray, we can come to potlucks. I, those are Christian. Sing and worship. Um, but, but our hearts can be still very far from God. We can go through the motions, but our hearts are far from God. 
He is holy, and we are to be holy. We are called to be holy so that we can have that friendship and relationship with God. In fact, if we are not holy as, as he is, what was the point of Jesus even coming? There is no more law. There are no more distinctions. Um, and... In, in the Old Testament, they had that elaborate system to show clear distinctions of we are a holy people set apart by God. They have the elaborate sacrificial, sacrificial um, system to show how they are different. It was a lot different than what the pagans did. It was not the same thing at all. Um, because as if you read in Leviticus, it says, do not offer your children as sacrifices. Because they did that in Canaan. I could not imagine offering my child as a sacrifice. But um, they did that. And in the New Testament, we're not supposed to be separate and cut off from people the same. Jesus says you are to be in the world, but not of the world. So we're not supposed to have that same distinct cut of, well, you're obviously Jewish. Um, But there is supposed to be that distinction in our conduct. We are to be set apart and holy as God has set us apart to be holy. And I'm sure you know that this can be difficult because we sure like to fit in. We do not like to stand out, right? Um, I don't know. These days, some people like to be unique. They want to stand out, but, but mostly they don't want to stand out. They don't want to be very different from people around us. We, sometimes we may be a little nicer than other people, but we want to do the same things they do. We want to settle down, get married, have kids, do what everyone else does, have a nice backyard, and have a barbecue. We don't want our kids to be different or to stand out. We want them to, to fit in. We don't want our kids to be, you know, the, the kid who everybody's pointing at and laughing at and... Thank you, Aunt Philly. She's having some problems. This is her dad's is at men's retreat, and she's used to spending the entire morning with dad. So she's having some separation anxieties. Poor child. So, so we don't like to stand out. We don't want our children to stand out. We want them to be the same as everyone else. Um, but we have to remember we're, 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 we need to stand out. We will stand out. If we are a holy people, we will stand out. Because we are different and God has called us to be holy. We are not to live separately. We are to be holy because God is holy. And so when we read Leviticus, we are reminded that God is holy. Holy. 
and that we are to be holy. So, then the question comes, well, how are we holy? Other than, oh, I don't lie. That's a lie. I have lied many times. In fact, that's my, that's my struggle. I do a lot better. But it's so easy to say that little white lie of, sure, I did that, instead of having to deal with the fallout, right? So, um, we don't lie. We don't curse. Is that our conduct enough to be holy? Simply what we do. Well, if, if you read, you know, the Bible, it says in – I really need page numbers on these. All right, here we go. Jesus says this. He says, I have, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So first off, we're clean because Jesus has spoken to us. If we read the Bible, he has. That's in John 15, 3. And then, what really makes us holy is the fact that we have been called by God. Now, I have another object lesson. Here we go. Whoa. Are these put in order? I did not set these up. Yes, we're good. All right. That's fine. Okay. So here's our This is what happened when all the men go on men's retreat because literally this this Wednesday, we were doing, um, oh, we still need the video. Yeah. Um, this Wednesday, we, Pastor and I had this, we're like, well, who can do sound? We started listing everyone who is out of town. Yeah. So, well, let's just start. This is sin. Obviously, it has that color. Cool. How that that. Oh, I have a monitor here. I could always forget about these. Okay, there we go. This is sin. This is Christ who is holy because he is also God, and this is us. 
I don't know. <laughs> this is this is God. This is us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take it in. Probably not a good idea. All right. This is us. And we, when we have sin in us, obviously, we get um, we're sinful, right? We get dirty. We're unclean. Now, don't don't think that unclean just means that you're sinful. There's another. But we're unclean when we sin. When we lie. When we steal. When we sometimes. Um, when, when we say something unkind and then forget to apologize, that is a sin. And I have been reminded of that by my husband many times. But when we ask Christ into our life, you take, wow, I need more um, glass. Didn't think that one through, did I? He takes the sin out. And there's that idea that whatever God touches becomes holy. So if you're sitting there going, well, you know, but I have issues still. Well, maybe you're not allowing God into that part of your life. Because we have free will. God's not just going to touch us and make us holy. We have a choice in that. Um. We have we have that choice, and um, Christ doesn't poke around in the attic of our heart without our permission. If he wants to, in fact, he might be going, "Hey, do you see this bright electric signs going? Look at this! This is in your life." And you're like, "Let's just put that over there in the corner." But. Um, Whatever Christ touches in our life, whatever God touches, he makes it holy. So uh, we're, we're a holiness denomination. That's our tradition. We always had that idea of um, sanctification. In other words, the whole, our, us becoming holy. That we're, we're clean. In fact, the, uh, the goal of sanctification is that we will sin no more. And be perfect as Christ is perfect. And um, so one of the one of the things about holiness is is that there used to be you read it if if you're like me and taking history of history and polity of Nazarene church, you read and you're like, Wow, there's these people who would go to the altar Alcoholics and like that, not a, cold turkey, never again. Don't touch a drop. Or well, I've met met people who were smokers. They came to Christ like that, nothing, no more smoking. And you're like, what I just happened? How did how did you do that? And that is a part of God making us holy. He takes what what our our struggles, and he helps helps them with us, helps us with them. Now, for some of us, 
it may, may be a process. You're like, I can't stop. I've also met Christians who are still smoking 15 years after they became Christian. But it was the process of going through that and allowing God into their lives that has slowly made them, actually they smoke less, they used to smoke a lot more. This is uh, someone I met down in Arizona. He used to do heroin too, so cigarette smokes aren't, isn't that much for him. So he, but he did, he went cold turkey on heroin, but he can't, can't kick that habit of, of cigarettes, but God is working through him every day. He used to smoke a pack a day. He might have one now a day if he's stressed. One cigarette. So he is still going through that process. And, and it's really hard for us because we know that God instantly makes us clean. Like this. Instant. Well, if you put this in back. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes object lessons aren't the best. But God instantly makes us clean. But we still have sin and struggles. And sometimes those, that guilt weighs so heavily on us. That, that sometimes we're, we're tempted to think that we're never going to be good enough, that we're never going to be a good Christian. Um, that our faith doesn't seem real. But unlike the Jews, we don't add to our faith through We don't add to our salvation through religion. There are no rituals we can do to make us more clean or more holy. There's nothing we could do. It's all on Jesus as long as we ask him to take our sins and forgive us. And that daily. Thankfully, it doesn't depend on us and our faithfulness. It depends on God's faithfulness. In Hebrews, it says... So the one problem with the digital age is that I look these all up by passage on my computer and then I have to do this on stage. Hebrews 10. Starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because God has made us holy, because he's cleaned us, we should not lose faith. Even when we have that, that feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough for that. In fact, that was, I ran away from my call in ministry very early on, right out of high school, because I said, I'm not a good enough Christian to, be, to bring other people to Christ. I'm not good enough. So I guess I'm not going to become a pastor Well, never say never, because when God calls you to something, he calls you, and he will not let you forget it. So he has called us to be holy, and he will not let us forget. And likewise, we are to encourage one another. This is a passage where it says, do not not give up meeting together, because we are supposed to meet together. It is really encouraging to meet with one another. If you, if you meet with, um, if you meet with Bill, he will definitely tell you about holiness. He's the holiness man here in, in the, he, he's less likely to do it. My grandma will tell you. <laughs> She's the talker in the, in that couple over there. So, but there's there's that, um, if you talk to Jan and Neil, they'll tell you of their life and how without Christ, they would not be here right now. And what Christ has done for them. So we need to meet together and encourage one another. So first we must accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive our sins and that daily and also... We must not lose hope because our hope is in Christ and that he will come again. And finally, we must remember to keep meeting together. So what does it mean when God says, I am holy? He means, I am holy, just like he says in Leviticus 10. I am holy, and you are my people. I am the God that called you. Be holy as I am holy. And that is God's character. He makes us holy. And we must remember that. Let's pray. Glorious Father God, we just want to thank you um, for this time together and just help us remember that you are the one who makes us holy and you are the one who calls us into your presence. As we leave today, help us um, remember these things 
And as we are continue through the book of Leviticus, help us remember that these are reminders of how much you have done for us and how much, um, how holy you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know if there are announcements. Pastor didn't tell me. Oh, I do. It's in bulletin. I do know the men will be back tonight, so there will be service at 6. Pastor will be here. Pastor Randy. All right. Oh, is David preaching tonight? Okay. We have to work on communication. <laughs> All right. Um, remember to keep reading your Bible, because if you get behind, you're behind for a long time, because right now we're in the Old Testament, and it's two, two chapters a day. So uh, may God bless you and keep you this week, and go in peace. Leave that there.